He feels the other's breath on his face like the breath of eternity, before blackness comes to extinguish light and life forever. Slowly his killer releases his lifeless form to fall back on the bed, frail with age, but heavier now in death. The click in the dark seems deafening, and the light that falls upon the bed, like the dead man, almost shocking. Hands in latex gloves untie a canvas roll and open it out on still warm sheets. Light reflects on a choice of five glinting sterile scalpels. Simon's nightshirt is rolled back from his left forearm and one of the scalpels is selected, all performed with the unerring certainty of a man who knows he has all the time in the world for this. Carefully, and with a well-honed and dexterous skill, the killer starts to cut away the skin of the forearm, effectively flaying it. There is very little blood to stain the bed, for the heart has long since given up any attempt at pumping it around Simon's rapidly cooling body. 2015 Chapter 1 Glasgow 1 Jack stepped down from the bus almost at the end of Battlefield Road and raised his head towards the darkening sky with a sense of foreboding. He took in the brooding silhouette of the smoke-stained Victoria Infirmary that climbed the hill above the field of battle where Mary, Queen of Scots, was once defeated by James VI and felt as if someone had just walked over his grave. He knew in truth that he no longer needed his stick. Most of his strength had returned, and the prognosis following his minor myocardial infarction was good. The diet they put him on had successfully lowered his cholesterol, and the daily walking, they said, would do him more good than an hour in the gym. Still, he had grown to depend upon it, like an old friend. He enjoyed the feel of the brass owl curled into the palm of his hand, steadying, reliable, unchanging, unlike everything else around him. Gone was the old Queen's Park school, abandoned, then damaged by fire, and finally demolished. The battlefield rest, with its green and cream tiles and clock tower, once a news kiosk and waiting room for city trams, now an Italian restaurant. The red sandstone Langside Library was still there, a final gift from Carnegie, but the infirmary itself, filled for Jack with both formative and final memories, was due for closure its functions to be replaced by the new Southern General. His tonsils and adenoids had been removed here as a child. He could still remember the smell of rubber as they put the mask over his face to send him to sleep in the operating theatre, and the line of light beneath the door of his two-bed ward that night, mysterious shadows passing back and forth in the corridor beyond, like dark demons stalking his young imagination. But as he stepped into the shabby green-painted foyer, and breathed in that depressing antiseptic hospital smell, the memory that almost overwhelmed him was of the death of his mother. Those dark winter evenings he had spent at her bedside, finding her sometimes distressed, at other times almost comatose, and once lying in her own filth. And then, finally, the night he had arrived to find her bed empty. Moved, the ward sister told him to another building. It had taken him some time to find her, and when he did, 
he felt as if he had stepped onto a stage set for some dreadful denouement. A cavernous Victorian ward, chaotic in its arrangement of beds and screens, light in pools barely permeating the darkness. She had gripped his hand, scared by the moans and occasional cries of unseen patients, and whispered, They've brought me here to die. And then, I don't want to go alone. He had sat with her as long as they would let him. Then visiting time was done, and they told him he must leave. She hadn't wanted him to go, and his last sight of her was glancing back to see the fear in her eyes. The next morning a police officer came to his door. The hospital had lost his number, as they always had, no matter how many times he gave them it. His mother had died during the night, alone as she had feared, and it had filled Jack with a lingering sense of guilt that had never quite left him.